COVID-19 can be characterized as a pandemic. Our goal is to protect the lives and livelihoods of Australians. We have breaking news on a corona scare. The panic buying, self-isolating on a statewide level. Stop it. It's Tuesday, April 7th. Natalie Bongiolo and Ben O'Shea joining you for Coronavirus Watch. Very promising numbers in WA again today, Ben. Absolutely, Nat. Ten new cases, which is great, although that really encouraging news was tempered by the fact that we lost two more people to COVID-19 over the last 24 hours. One of those was a woman aged in her 70s uh, who died at RPH, and another was a gentleman also in his 70s who was a passenger aboard the Artania, uh, and he died at the Joondalup Health Campus. And nationally, uh, figures are still rising, but not as bad as what it could be. Yeah, we're still definitely trending in the right direction. 113 new cases, which, as we said yesterday, is down quite a lot from the start of this month when we were seeing 300 new cases a day. So that's a great result and an endorsement of our social distancing and other restrictions the government has put in place. That brings the national total to 5,908 new cases uh, and cases in total. And about half of those are from New South Wales. 2,686 people in New South Wales have contracted coronavirus. Huge numbers over there. All over, though, we are flattening the curve here in Australia. The same can't be said for overseas. Overseas, still definitely some worrying situations in a number of countries, America namely. Uh, The world has 1,350,841 confirmed cases of COVID-19 and there have been 74,870 deaths. Uh, And I think there's about uh, more than 10,000 in America now, which is, uh, you know, really sad to see uh, the Americans struggling with this so much. Yeah. Uh, Back at home, you did mention the death of a 70-year-old Perth lady who had been on holiday on the Costa Victoria and she had been stranded off the coast of Rome and her family a couple of weeks ago were pleading for her to, for the government to step in and to help bring them home. And of course, they did get home, um, but in the time that they've been in quarantine, she has contracted COVID-19 and sadly has passed away. And the health minister, Roger Cook spoke about that today. Yeah, it was a really sad case, Nat, and there's still questions to be answered because the woman's husband wasn't allowed to see her, which normally would be a no-brainer, but in this instance was a little bit different because he also tested positive for COVID-19. So you wonder why he wasn't allowed to spend those last few moments with his wife. Uh, Jeff Parry from Channel 7 asked Roger Cook, Uh, the question today, why that decision was made. The health minister didn't want to second guess frontline health staff, which is understandable, but he is going to try and get an answer because you'd you'd want to think that that loved ones, if they had already had the virus, would be able to comfort their their wife in need. We'll see what happens. We'll see what the answer to that question is. That's right. And um, the lady's daughter will be speaking tomorrow to Jenna Clark. Uh, on the West Live at 8.45. So she'll uh, may have found out some more information by tomorrow morning. Uh, you know, Roger Cook was asked today about the situation with cruises because we do know that 36% of all West Australian cases are coming from cruise ships. And he was asked about, you know, why could this be so? Why are the cruise ships so bad? The majority of the deaths that are happening are from people who've been on cruise ships. What is it? 
about this scenario? Is it? It seems like it's a more severe strain or something like that. Yeah, no, I've, I've asked the I've asked the chief health officer and others with regards to this. It would appear that often people in a cruise ship have a much bigger viral load in terms of the actual disease itself. That is, they get a bigger dose. And, and obviously many of the people who are on cruise ships are older people or people who may have an underlying uh, medical condition. So that's why they're a particularly vulnerable cohort. Yeah, so that could be one of the reasons why we're seeing such terrible, terrible results from cruise ships around the world, not only the ones that are here off our coast in Western Australia. Yeah, the viral load situation is interesting because that's also what impacts frontline health workers as well because they get a heavier dose because they're coming into contact with people who have the virus all the time. With cruise ships, you've got that extra factor, as the health minister alluded to, that they're predominantly older, uh, the patrons of cruise ships, and so they're probably in that danger zone as far as people who are susceptible to dying from this disease. Yeah, that's right. Premier Mark McGowan today said that although the numbers are promising, We're in a very, very tough situation, a situation that we never thought we would see ourselves in, that we are in a state of emergency, and he is still very, very concerned about what is going to happen at Easter time. Because we know that, uh, you know, Esperance have shut the town down because they're so concerned about people coming there and holidaying there. And we've got, I think, small coastal hotspots around the state that are going to be finding themselves also in very, very difficult situations and could very well be bracing themselves for tourists. Yeah, well, uh, Mark McGowan was asked today in his press conference about uh, was he aware that surfers were still flouting the restrictions, the travel restrictions around the state and were going to their favourite surf spots in the southwest. And uh, according to the city of Bustleton, they've done an audit of licence plates parked uh, at popular surf breaks down there, and they've seen a lot of license plates from the metro area so they're starting they are actually deeply concerned that people are not listening to the guidelines that they're breaking those rules and they may be finding uh back roads or uh secret paths or however to uh, to get past the police blockades and it's a worrying situation we want people to follow the rules we want them to do the right thing because those rules are there to protect all of us uh, and the last thing we would want is someone who was asymptomatic but carrying the virus to infect a bunch of people in a regional center where they don't have the facilities to really deal with a big outbreak effectively. That, that could be catastrophic. Yeah, and the reality is, you know, uh, for school holidays and for Easter, we can't go away. We can't do what we were planning to do. And although people m- may become bored with self-isolation, this is our reality right now. And when the Premier was asked, well, how long is this reality? He said, well, I can't really answer that. Let's have a listen to what he, what he said. Well, the vaccine is the holy grail. So if the vaccine comes in, obviously things will change. Uh, but we have no information that the vaccine is anywhere near being developed. So the advice I'm giving everyone is that look forward to six months, six months. And we'll review it as over the course of that time. And if there are things we can do uh, to lessen the pressure on people or open up businesses or whatever on medical advice over that six months, well, then we'd take account of that advice. But um, look forward to a hard, long six months. I'm afraid that's the message. And... Uh, I think at this point in time, people are people are accepting that. I just hope that in a month or two's time, people understand that it has to continue on. We are in for a long, hard haul. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. And this fine weather that's coming up this weekend over Easter is going to be a challenge. When it gets colder and people are more likely to stay in their houses and rug up, then I think it's not going to be as much of a temptation. But certainly over these school holidays, 
it's a massive, massive temptation for people to not do the right thing. And then they see fuel prices, which have plummeted the cheapest right. they've been for pretty much ever. This is the this is kind of the perfect storm. It's the first time where we're we're sort of bemoaning great weather at Easter and cheap fuel prices, but that's that's the sort of twisted, topsy turvy reality we find ourselves in. That's right. And uh, we know that the politicians are doubling down their efforts. They're not going to be taking their five-week break that they would ordinarily be taking now. Yeah, well, unlike a lot of people who have lost their jobs or seen their jobs slow down, pollies are pretty much guaranteed an income. So I don't think they would have gotten a lot of sympathy for uh, taking five weeks off <laughs> when everybody else is struggling. So it's great to see they're doing the right thing. They're going to return on the 15th of April because there's a lot of COVID-19 legislation that needs to be pushed through. This stuff is quite urgent. It can't wait. We've seen what happens if you wait a couple of days or a week and what the results are. Uh, uh, because of that. So it's good to see the pollies are, are doing the right thing and we'll be back on the tools uh, come uh, April 15. That's right. Well, we also heard from the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, today, and he said, you know, we are making significant process and that less than 10% of the cases of COVID-19 are through community transmission. Uh, so this is why we've managed to avoid what he called the horror scenarios around the world but we must hold the fort. He too was very concerned about Easter. This Easter weekend will be incredibly important. Stay at home. Failure to do so this weekend would completely undo everything we have achieved so far together and potentially worse. So all the things we've been asking you to do day in, day out, they apply especially so this long weekend of the Easter weekend, when you normally may have gone out together as family and been out in public places and parks or gone away or wherever you might have been. That is not something you can do this Easter long weekend. We have already seen in other countries where major festivals or events or holiday periods have been the spark for significant outbreaks elsewhere in the world. I was only speaking to Prime Minister Modi yesterday and he was recounting a similar event that occurred in India recently. And so it is very important, all Australians this weekend, that you must follow these very helpful and straightforward um, requests that we make of you in terms of your movements this weekend. Doesn't get any clearer than that. Yeah, it's, it, you could almost sense fear in his voice, not that he's really afraid of anything other than our behaviour, if we're going to stick to the rules, uh, because the he knows how catastrophic it could be if we don't, how the numbers, especially in places like New South Wales and Victoria, where there has been some community transmission, we're lucky over here, there hasn't really been any evidence of that. But in New South Wales, if they, you know, go out to parks and socialise and all of that sort of stuff, it could just see the numbers skyrocket. Uh, and he referred to some new modelling that was released today from the Doherty Institute. It, it was strange the way that he introduced it. He sort of encouraged people not to not to read too much into it, which is kind of a strange thing to say when you're introducing some statistics. But it's because this modelling is based on uh, preparedness scenarios and on international data. So it wasn't based on anything that Australia had done or 
Australian numbers and specific cases. But the result was to imply that what we are doing is working compared to what has been tried internationally. And it suggested that if we hadn't taken some of the drastic measures that the government has at the state and federal level over the last couple of weeks, we could have seen uh, tens of thousands of deaths already. Uh, In Western Australia, the modelling suggested there could have been as many as 30,000 deaths if we hadn't adopted such tough measures. So anybody there, anybody out there who's doubting what we've done so far and what we've been asked to do, I think you should just do some reading around these with this modelling and what the worst case scenario could have looked like and you realise that it was not unnecessary. Uh, we've dodged a bullet. Yeah, I mean, just looking at this modelling, you know, it was quite terrifying to look at it, which I think is why he was uh, so uh, careful and wanted to stress the point that, um, you know, this was not a prediction because I think Mm. people might look at this and think, well, could this happen? But he was saying this is not a prediction. This is not our modelling. This is just what could happen if we stop behaving the way we are. And he was very he was very quick to say it's also it shouldn't be seen as a pat on the back. Everybody goes back to life as per usual. It was a sign that we're doing the right thing. It was an endorsement of the measures that have been taken and it should be taken as a sign that they need to continue to ensure that worst case scenario never eventuates in the future. Yeah. He also spoke today about the commercial tenancy code, which is all about uh, preventing businesses from going bankrupt. Yeah, and this is something that is on the minds of a lot of small businesses and medium-sized businesses around the country. We don't want to see them out of business. They're the lifeblood of the Australian economy, but they're increasingly under pressure to pay their pay their rents, pay their lease. They've got landlords that need to be paid. And so the, a range of measures that the government is going to uh, are going to introduce, they'll be looking at reducing the rent proportionate to uh, the trading reduction, which I think we've spoken about before and makes a lot of sense. Uh, there are uh, tenants must then honour the lease when things pick up to ensure that landlords are protected because it's, it's also important to remember uh, that landlords get a bit of a bad rap. Everybody sort of thinks that they're this greedy group of people that just want to take money. But a lot of them have their own bills to pay, have mortgages with banks, and they owe money as well. So it's not as simple as just helping one group. You've got to make sure that whatever legislation you pass looks after as many people as possible, because if there's any sort of break in that chain, then the whole system collapses. Yeah. And while he was saying, you know, we're going to ask people to act in good faith, uh, that we want landlords to reduce their rent, to waive a rent if they have to, not to terminate leases. He was also very mindful to say we need the banks to come to the table and to support the landlords then. Yeah, it's and it, it's kind of a bit of, uh, you know, sort of you you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours. Everybody's in this together, and you would hope that in this incredibly difficult situation, there's that understanding. We're seeing it from government. We're seeing it at the general public doing the right thing. Now we need to see it uh, at the the highest levels of corporate Australia. They need to relax some of their rules. Uh, In the case of Westpac, I know you can get sort of a six-month hold on your mortgage repayments. But as the Premier of Western Australia said today, if we're looking at the peak of infections being November, that's more than six months away. So what, what happens after six months? So there's a lot of question marks around how this will all unfold. Uh, a lot of talk about good faith. You hope 
that that will exist out there. Uh, but I think we all appreciate that there needs to be some legislation to ensure that good faith isn't the only thing that we're relying on here. Yeah, that's right. And some very, very worrying news out of the UK. We heard today, of course, that the Prime Minister, Boris Johnson, is in an intensive care unit in a London hospital. Uh, we don't yet know if he is on a ventilator, but this was really shocking news for Britons. Yeah, I heard. I heard he wasn't on a ventilator as yet. His his symptoms had worsened, uh, and so they moved him to ICU as a precaution for more tests. The, the worrying thing about this is, and I think for everybody listening, the worrying thing is that this was somebody who had the absolute best of medical care, the best observation that it is possible for a person to have in this situation, and yet his symptoms did not improve, and it was necessary to take him to the hospital. So it just goes to show that. This virus doesn't discriminate and because there's no vaccine and no cure and the treatment is really, uh, it's very challenging, I think, at this stage. It doesn't matter who you are and how much money you have and how powerful you are. If you get this virus, you could become severely ill. We hope Boris is not, uh, although this has been an opportunity for, for some media outlets to replay some of his comments from a few weeks ago where he talked about he wasn't that worried about the virus and he wasn't <laughs> going to stop shaking people's hands. He might be regretting those comments now. Yeah, I think. and I guess, you know, probably at this point in time, it's probably in poor taste and we just hope that he recovers along with everyone else or anyone else who Absolutely. does get this virus. Uh, he did have a message of support and the British had a message of support from our Prime Minister. And uh, to Boris, we're with you, mate, and we hope you get well soon. Yeah, pretty um, pretty difficult uh, for world leaders to see what is happening and know that they personally could be affected and then how do they uh, hand over the reins and what will happen to the country that they are leading at that present time? Oh, there's no doubt about it. And a lot of people out there who are working from home are in pretty insulated working environments where they're protected from the virus to a great degree. But if you're a world leader or even a, a sort of a senior politician, you have to go into meetings, you have to go into boardrooms, you have to be in contact with a lot of people, press conferences all the time. So in a country like America or the UK or Italy or Spain, where they've had a high number of cases, there is a degree of risk, I think, in those high-profile public jobs. Yes, and moving to the United States, um, again, not good news out of there. The coronavirus has surged past 10,000 people who have died from the disease so far. Yeah, it's shocking numbers out of America at the moment. The country's health officials have warned that this coming week could be the country's peak death week. They think that the forecasts are showing that as many as 3,000 people could die a day, which is just staggering. In New York, which we know has been one of the worst hit cities in uh, America and in the world, uh, they're talking about currently uh, floating the idea of temporarily burying people in public parks until there's enough space in the city morgues to accommodate them. Uh, it's just absolutely shocking. But the, the one silver lining is that New York now thinks that they're starting to flatten the curve. Some of their really tight restrictions that have been implemented in the last couple of weeks are starting to bear fruit. So all you can do is hope that that death rate slows, the infection rate slows, and they start to make some progress. Uh, and it's important to remember, a lot of people are recovering, yes. a lot of people are getting out of hospital and getting better, but not enough to, to make it good news, that's for sure. Yeah, no, very difficult to comprehend. Japan have declared a state of emergency. 
Yeah, PM Shinzo Abe has copped a lot of criticism for taking a long time to act on the COVID-19 pandemic. Japan, of course, was one of the first countries to experience this pandemic, being so close to China and with the Chinese tourism. I was there myself back at the start of February, uh, and they were well aware of the coronavirus epidemic at that point and were taking a lot of measures at a grassroots level, but at a governmental level, they, I guess the jury's out on whether they handled it correctly. There wasn't a lot of testing. There wasn't a lot of uh, stockpiling of ventilators and PPE. And uh, they have a lack of ICU beds in Japan compared to other uh, big Western economies. Uh, and they had a policy of encouraging people showing symptoms to just come to hospital as opposed to self-isolating. And so that has caused uh, an increase in the rate of infections. Uh, and so... This state of emergency, I think, was necessary. They've got to the point now where it's a tipping point, I guess, and it could go one of two ways. They're taking these drastic measures now. They probably should have done it a few weeks ago. Hopefully, it's not too late. And if people still weren't getting the message, in South Africa, we have this situation where a whole bunch of wedding guests have flouted the rules and been caught. Yeah, so the bride, the groom, the priest and 50 wedding guests were arrested in South Africa for flouting their very strict COVID-19 restrictions. And they're, they're pretty brave to do it because in South Africa, this is a country that where the police have been using firing rubber bullets at people who are breaking the restrictions. Uh, so they're not mucking around. So to think that uh, a wedding would decide to go ahead with their big day amid those restrictions and take the risk of all of their guests getting rubber bullets as the main course uh, seems like a Pretty pretty bold strategy, and it's certainly backfired for those people. Certainly did. Someone who's not taking any risks is Hollywood star Matthew McConaughey, and he isn't taking risks. He's not getting out and about, but he is doing some virtual bingo. He's amazing. Everyone loves Matthew McConaughey. He's just fantastic. The McConaughey continues. And, uh, and yeah, this virtual bingo for uh, senior living residents at the Enclave at uh, Round Rock Senior Living in Denver, Colorado, was uh, all right, all right, all right. <laughs> we got an I-24, I-24. Oh, Richard Blutch is waving a hammer up high. Well, we got Charles Kings in the iPad up high. We got two winners. Look at this, look at that board. Great. Fourth column straight down. Winner. Let's see yours, Charles Call King's iPad. Call them out. Call your numbers out. <laughs> the celebrities are definitely going out of their way to keep people entertained from their homes. Oh, yeah, there's no doubt. Well, they say, what do they say? It's a, a necessity is the mother of invention. And so we're seeing, in particular, the US late night talk show hosts, so the Jimmy Fallons and the Jimmy Kimmels and and uh, and the, the James Cordons finding new and inventive ways to entertain not just their audience, but a global audience via uh, YouTube and the internet. And there's uh, Jimmy Fallon in particular has been doing some great stuff. And he's broadcasting his show from his home. You see his kids running around in the background. They've become, they've become celebrities in their own right now. They're so cute. And uh, his guests have been doing fantastic things as well. He had Adam Sandler on uh, in a recent episode, uh, and he debuted a song, which was a shout out to all of the frontline healthcare workers. Doctors brought us into this world as babies, and doctors take good care of your grandma. Doctors always give you an old lollipop after hitting your knee with a hammer. Nurses slap your arm till they find a good vein. They wear Crocs and they tell you the truth. Nurses give you ice packs and pain medication while your doctor is smoking on the roof. 
doctors and nurses will save us from this mess if we get them the supplies that they need. And I hope they save us soon, cause I'm really, really sick of my family. <laughs> I don't know. Are you sick of your family yet? <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, uh, but ask me again after Easter. Yeah, that's right. Well, good on you, Adam Sandler, and all the other celebs who are keeping us entertained. That's it from us for April 7th, and we'll be back tomorrow with Coronavirus Watch. <laughs>